Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. This is going to be a fun conversation on a topic that we all suffer through, we all can identify with, and frankly, and I'm speaking largely of myself here, it's a situation where I don't really know how to deal with this. We all go through this, so I think this is going to be a very intriguing, very helpful conversation. I'm joined today by Melissa Davies. She's the president of Wise Ways Consulting and also the author of a new book called How Not to Act Like an Asshole at Work. Yes, that's the title, and I can't wait. I was so intrigued when I first saw this, so looking forward to it. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure's mine. I appreciate you making time to join us. I know you're awfully busy out there, so <laughs> grateful for you stopping by. Uh, Melissa, before we get into this book and its message and all the ancillary-related topics uh, tied to this, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're doing with Wise Ways. So my background is, uh, I was an educator, and as I like to say to people in a previous life, I'm very blessed to spend some time working in the Middle East and in Asia. Uh, I'm Canadian originally, and then found myself working in, in the Washington, D.C. area, and decided at one point, I spent so much time in my consulting career working with folks in organizations, particularly in the military Department of Defense, and with other government agencies, and then corporations, you just come across people and you think, God, you would just stop doing that. Yeah. It would really make it easier for you to work together as a team, and I, that's I just came to this point. Got it. So the book, How Not to Act Like an Asshole at Work, Seven Simple Reminders of How to Be Who You Really Want to Be at Work and in Life. So I guess one way to describe this is, is it a leadership book? Uh, and if so, I mean, why did the world need another book on leadership and, and how to uh, and how to be a better manager. And maybe the goal of this is also to help you work with your manager. I don't know. Why did you write this book? I wrote the book because, as I mentioned, I spent so much time in organizations and I kept seeing people acting this way. And I thought, if you could just not act like an asshole, how much easier life would be, both for yourself as a manager or yourself as a team member. And so, I mean, the point of the book really is, as you say, it's a leadership book, but it's also a team development book. I've written it as a business parable because, in my experience, it's easier for people to see the characters, read the characters, and identify with them than it is to read a, a hard, you know, a hardcore textbook. Right, right. So by being able to see the characters, they can say, oh, that's me, that's you. It, it's easier to find you in the book than it is to find myself. Right, right, right. Well, on the subject such as this, a generic business text probably isn't appropriate. So doing it in the parable format, I think, is, is a great way to do this. And, and I've read some of the book, and it's great, it's great material. Talk more about the format of it. I mean, uh, this, is, this is not your traditional business book. You're, you're not, this is not your traditional leadership or, as you said, team development book. Talk more about the structure of it itself. So the book chronicles Lou, who is a mid-level manager. She's technically proficient, but behavioral, I say to people, she's a mess. She does so many of the things that people do unwittingly. They, you know, we get this idea that you need to be so focused on the mission, so focused on the bottom line, but we forget that in order to get to the mission, to get those things complete, to make money, to make our shareholders happy, we have to have our people happy. Our people are the greatest asset we have. 
And core to that is trust. If I don't trust you, if I don't feel that you have some empathy for me, I'm not going to go to the end of the earth for you. I'm not going to work that hard for you. Lou misses all of those messages. So the book is structured around a coaching relationship that happens with her unwittingly. She doesn't realize she's about to get a coach and with a senior, senior VP in the organization and how he tries to help guide her to a realization about the concept of empathy and trust in her team. Let's talk about, I mean, look, there are people in business, people in management, who are, they get off on being an asshole. I mean, they just, they thrive on the power. They love being negative to people. They love making people feel bad. I mean, they just get off on it. I, I don't think that's who this book is for because that person has a different entire, a, a differently entire set of problems and issues. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there are way, way too many people in management, certainly, who are, who are thought of as an asshole by the team, but they don't know it. I mean, they don't even realize that they're acting this way. I mean, as you said, technically proficient and maybe good at, at, the, at the actual tasks and responsibilities of the job, but how they manage people. They don't, even, they don't even know that they're acting this way or that maybe even realize they're being thought of this way. Am I, am I on the right beat there? Oh, no, I, I think you're right. There are people who don't recognize the trail of destruction that they leave in their wake. And as a result, you know, they didn't recognize people are talking about them behind the back or they're cutting out early or they're trying to actually sabotage the success because they don't feel valued. Now, I don't, I don't have to feel valued by getting my own way. I need to feel like you actually care about me. If you're my manager, my supervisor, I need to know that you actually give two hoots about who I am. You know, we, we're quick to say, did you look at the way she spoke to me? Did you see the way he talked to me? But we're all bringing our stuff to work. We all have lives. And so when we walk into the work site, managers need to be cognizant of the fact that people are people. We're doing the best we can. We're putting one foot in front of the other. And so when we disrespect or we have that, those kinds of people you, you talked about, they don't honestly really get it. I do a lot of work in emotional intelligence. And I had a gentleman in class one day who we talked about empathy. And he said to me, I don't really care. Don't bring your crap to work. And I said to him, well, that's interesting that you say that. How do you think that helps to develop trust for the people on your team? And he kind of looked at me and said, I don't really care. I understand you don't care, but let's talk about it a little bit further. How does that develop trust? Because if I don't trust you, I don't give you everything I have. If I don't trust you, I don't share with you those really great ideas that we need for the team because I don't trust how you're going to respond to them. Or if I don't trust you, I'm also not going to share with you that idea we're talking about right now. It's kind of half-baked, and I know we're never going to get where we need to be with it. So as a result, the mission suffers. The thing about... Sorry, go ahead. I'm just commenting on trust because, I mean, what you're not saying here is, all right, you have to change, completely change your behavior so that people will think of you, think that you're an asshole. You need to be in a position where when a member of the team is not performing that you can approach them and talk to them about how they need to improve their performance and, and walk them through ways to do that. With trust, you can, if, if an employee trusts a manager, then they'll still will be willing, I think, to to accept helpful coaching and how to improve performance. If if you think your manager is an asshole, then they're, they're not going to listen to you when they try to come to you and say, "Here's how you can improve your work." Am I right? Oh, well, that's correct. And also, if I don't trust you and you're the the manager, I'm also not going to come to you and say, "I feel kind of frustrated with how this is going." Right. I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put my head in, in my in my work, and I'm never, or just in my desk. And I'm not going to come back up. 
so you're right. We don't get you don't get from people what you need because you're too busy being you and being a steamroller and pushing through it. You know, in the book, Lou has that problem, and what she doesn't realize is that the team is having you know in the book it's set up with having these little coffee break conversations. So those are happening off on the side, and she's not privy to those. But it's it's really how the team is feeling and talking about things. And and you say those folks don't get that. They don't recognize that that those conversations are going on around them, and that they are putting off people. You know, you can be you can be a super manager, and in my experience, one of the things people try and tend to ignore is performance management. Yeah. But I can have a performance management conversation with you and tell you that things aren't going well. I don't have to be a jerk about it. As my granny used to say, it's not what you said, it's the nasty way you said it. Right. You know, I can have a responsible, assertive conversation with you without being a jerk, without being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Melissa Davies and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think next, act now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I am back with Melissa Davies, the author of a new book called How Not to Act Like an Asshole at Work. So, Melissa, how much of this stems from a very, I think, very serious and very real problem that's that's typical in way too many organizations that, I mean, you mentioned in the top half of the show, that, you know, you have to look at your people as an asset, uh, that the talent that you have is, is, the, is the foundation, is the backbone of your organization. I think that is still not recognized by way too many organizations, and that's foundational, this, right? You have to you have to appreciate and understand that the the people that are in your organization are your most important asset, right? I mean, you can't, you can't not fix this problem if you don't believe that to your core, right? Correct. I agree. I mean, you have, when you have organizations that are bleeding 20% of staff continuously, that's a problem. It's expensive to lose your team members. It's expensive to lose staff because you have to retrain the new people. You lose all that tacit institutional knowledge when people go away. You have to bring all the training back on that they had. Plus, people have to learn to trust them, too. So to lose people is very detrimental. And you look at the, look at the impact that social media is having on things right now. Right. And all those different websites where you can go and rate your employer. Mm-hmm. And, and people will talk, about, will talk about staff outright. So we have to realize how do we recognize how do we bring these people and make them valuable. Part of it has to be called having a conversation with people. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me what you bring to the table. Tell me what you find interesting. Tell me what you're not doing that you know what's part not part of your position description that you'd like to be doing. What other talents do you bring to the table? Talk about career paths. Do you want to stay with this organization? We know from our millennials that they don't have that same concept of oh you got that good job you hang on to it for a long time. You know, when my dad retired, he got a T-shirt that said, I outlasted the founder. He'd been there for 32 years. You say that to people in the workforce now, particularly the you know, millennials, they'll look at you and go, you've got to be crazy. Right. I'm out of here. So how do, we, how do we keep people? How do we harness their talents and get that loyalty? 
And you can't dial you, you can't dial that in, right? I mean, this is not okay. Well, I, I, Lisa's saying is I have to ask all these questions, so I'll just create this checklist, and you know, I'll run through and do it, and then uh, then I can put it in the file and I'm done, and then I'm not an asshole anymore. And well, that's not the case. I mean, the, you, this has to be authentic and legitimate. I mean, you have to you have to seriously care about these people and not just pretend, right? I agree. You don't have to. You know, I will say to people, you don't have to have them over for Thanksgiving dinner. Nobody's right. saying that. We don't have to be best bosom buddies. But there has to be a level of authenticity there and a sincerity. And even if I realize that this is not your style, but you're giving it a good try, I'll, I'll let you go with it. All right. You know, in the book, they say with Lou, they're joking with, with her behind her back that, wow, she asked me how I was doing. And is this the right person? Was she sick? What's going on? <laughs> but they'll cut her some slack because if you start to do it bit by bit, they can see that, okay, they're trying. They're making an effort to do that. Oh, I have been a part of so many of those behind the back conversations with people by the water cooler. I mean, it's just bringing back all these these haunting memories. You mentioned what I think is a very key word at the top half of the show. That, that's a real big part of this. And it's, in essence, what we've been talking about. But I want you to go into it very specifically, the, the, the importance of empathy. Because if you're not empathetic, then I don't think you can manage. I don't think you can be in charge of an organization that, that's, that's, that's responsible for people, right? Agreed. Empathy is critical. Empathy isn't the idea that I agree with you for exactly why you're upset. I might not agree at all. Empathy is really the idea that we've all had some valley moments. We've all had some times in our life when life really was tough, and we know what it feels like to be to feel that pain. And so, empathy is the concept that I'm here there. I'm here with you when you're suffering through that. You have somebody with you on this journey. So it might look like me saying to you, if you're upset about something, I can see that's really frustrating for you. Tell me a little bit more about it as opposed to what we think we have to say is, oh, you're right, I agree, you're right, you're right about that. When I don't actually agree that why you're upset, it's just the concept I can see that's really frustrating for you because I've had some time where I've been frustrated myself. So empathy is the idea that I'm, I recognize that it's painful, but I'm going to walk through this valley with you till we get to the other side. And I think a lot of folks think that empathy is, you're going to cry, we're going to talk about this, I'm going to have to buddy-buddy with you, and, and I'm going to have to agree with everything you're upset about. But that's not what empathy is. Right. Again, if, if, if you just try to agree with everyone, then, then that's going to backfire and, and almost probably exacerbate the problems that you're already having. All right. So let's shift now to how we actually fix this. Uh, if, if your organization thinks you're an asshole and talk about you behind your back, how do we begin to, to turn this around? And I want to t- come at it from two approaches. One is if I'm a manager and I begin to understand and suspect that, that's, that people think I'm an asshole, how do I begin to make the changes? And I think I want to center that conversation around the importance of, of having a mentor or a coach, which is certainly how the, the protagonists in the book uh, solve that problem. But I also want you to, to talk to us about if, if I'm a part of a team and our boss, our team leader, our, the management, if they're an asshole, how do we as a team begin to, to take this thing hold and, and, and begin to affect a change and communicate that? So walk us through those two, those two very critical approaches and how to begin to solve this problem. So one of the things that I do, organizations will bring me in to do work with teams. And, and typically, especially when you've got issues around the manager, and the manager doesn't always know that they're the problem. They think it's everybody else. I like to do you know, activities where we sort of break it down and then create, so we talk about communication, we talk about how to communicate with empathy, how to communicate assertively, which is much different than aggressively. Assertively is that concept of I feel or I think, to start by saying those kinds of statements. So we practice a lot of that. We talk about what does trust look like. And then we also work together to set up what I call a team charter. So we create 
some rules of engagement. What are some things that we're going to agree to do when we come into sessions together or just at work in general? You know, we're not going to talk about each other behind their back. And we learn to do those, method, those statements. And we also talk about what would it look like if we were functioning effectively as a team? What would we be able to say? And when I have these conversations, it's important that the manager, because I will prep the manager ahead of time, that we are all part of this conversation, not you. You know, it has, you're part of it, but it can't be everything. I can't have everybody looking to you, waiting for you to respond. So getting them to understand that, that to get people to speak up, there has to be a level of trust. There has to be openness and commitment and an ability to say what you need to say without people going, well, why would you say that? Well, I don't agree with you. Well, you can disagree with me. That's fine. But how do we do these things with trust? We talk about skills of how do you say to folks, you know, I feel concerned about where this project is going. Can we talk about the timeline for this? Here are my concerns as opposed to, well, that's not going to work or that's stupid or sitting there and rolling your eyes, all of which are behavior that I have witnessed by adults mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So really working with people and creating a, a, some time, some real ground rules of how we engage. What are the skills that we use? You know, we have this strange belief in North America that because you breathe, you can communicate effectively. <laughs> right. And that's not true. I mean, because we breathe, we can communicate, but some of it's not pretty. Right. So then the other aspect is I really like to do executive coaching with, with people to really get them to understand, you know, what's the impact? We do a lot of work around emotional intelligence. So how would your, how would your colleagues describe you? You know, there's an, there's an instrument that we use called EQ360, and that gives people feedback from their man, the managers that, who they report to, their colleagues, as well as their direct reports, the people that work for them. And, and they provide actual anonymous written feedback. So it's being able to say to them, so how, here's how you think you're being, you're being you know, reflected or how you think people see you, but here's what they're giving you. Here's what they're saying about how they receive you. And how is that different? And why do you think that's different? And, and how, do your colleague, how would your colleagues describe you? How would your friends describe you? What evidence do you have to substantiate that? Because it's not okay for me to say, you know, Todd, how would your colleagues describe you and for you to give me a bunch of adjectives and then me accept those? Because I don't know if you're telling me the truth or not. But by me saying, you know, Todd, tell me some adjectives your colleagues would use to describe you. What evidence do you have to support that? Now I'm asking you to understand what are the verbal cues, what are the visual cues, what's the, what's the emotional intelligence you need to understand what you give off and how people receive you. So it really becomes a, a circular approach to helping people understand how they're being perceived. Well, we've done a lot of leadership development series on this network and and emotional intelligence is obviously a critical element to to that and so i'm i'm really understanding the the importance of it here in the context of this conversation running low on time Melissa, what i would love to close with is related to this discussion but but timely where we are in the calendar the, the fall and the holiday season is is a tricky time in organizations. Uh, talk a bit about how uh, management, and well, frankly, all of us can can be less of an asshole, uh, uh, and be, but be sensitive to it's a different, just a different time in an organization when you're when you're getting this time of the year. Yeah, it really is. It's tough because living in a country that typically follows a Judeo-Christian calendar, we assume that everybody is celebrating the state holidays. Holidays. We also assume that those holidays are a fun time. You know, if you've lost a family member the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's not going to be a fun time every year for you. Or, or assuming that everybody celebrates Christmas or that everybody has lots of money to celebrate Christmas. I've worked with teams where they want to do, they want to do a gift exchange. And I'm like, so how about instead doing a gift exchange? Why don't you find a charity that's doing something in the local area and you spend some time volunteering at the food bank or putting in the soup kitchen? You take an afternoon to go and do that. 
because it's a way of putting back without spending money. It's a way to focus on others. Again, helps develop that empathy. I think recognizing that not everybody celebrates the same holidays as you, and that's okay. We don't want to say, well, you don't celebrate Christmas? What's wrong with you? Well, I'm Muslim, so I don't celebrate Christmas, or I'm right. Jewish, or right. you know, just it, it's, an, it's empathy for others and an awareness that everybody doesn't have to be the same, and it's okay. All right, great stuff. Well, I appreciate you sharing some thoughts on that because uh, you're right. That that's it is a, a recipe for a lot of stress uh, and a lot of uncomfortable situations in a workplace uh, within an organization come the holidays. So thank you for sharing that, Melissa. We're about out of time. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they find you? Where can they learn more about Wise Ways Consulting? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of How Not to Act Like an Asshole at Work? Well, the book is available at the book's website, which is www.bleepatwork.com. And you can find more about Wise Ways Consulting at wisewaysconsulting.com. And there's certainly ways, there are um, info, you can contact me at info at wisewaysconsulting.com as well. Happy to answer people's questions and, and talk more about you know what their needs are. All right. Melissa Davies, the president of Wise Ways Consulting and the author of a new book called How Not to Act Like an Asshole at Work. Melissa, great fun today. Very important message. I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much, Todd. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Melissa Davies, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.